Stock Market Options Trading Podcast. My name is Eric, and in this episode, we're going to talk about SPX Zero DTE Iron Condors. Now, depending on your knowledge and experience when it comes to options trading, you may have no idea what I just said, but I'm pretty sure there are several of you out there listening that know exactly what I just said and really want to try to maximize this strategy. And so this episode is really for everyone. I'm going to cover some high-level stuff, some, some basics to kind of get into the strategy and what it what we're trying to accomplish with it. And then we'll actually get into a specific strategy that I've been testing, and I'll share that with you later in the episode. Now, before we get started, you need to know that I am not a financial advisor. I'm just a retail trader, and everything in this episode and on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. So let's go ahead and break down the title of the episode, which again is SPX Zero DTE Iron Condor Options Trading Strategy. Ooh, that's a big, big title. So let's start with SPX. What is SPX and why are we, we trading it? So SPX is a stock market index that measures the performance of the 500 largest publicly traded companies in the United States. It's one of the most widely followed equity indices and is often used as a benchmark for the overall performance of the U.S. stock market. Now, SPX and SPY, a lot of people get those confused. So let's talk a little bit about the differences there. SPX is actually not tradable on its own. You cannot buy shares of SPX. You can only trade options on it. So it's more of an index similar to the VIX or the RUT or the NDQ. It's, it's an index that's meant more to just kind of show you the health of the market, right? And you can trade options on it, but you can't buy it directly. Unlike SPY, you can buy shares of SPY because it's an ETF. So SPY is an ETF that also has options on it, but the SPX is the actual S&P 500 index, and we're looking to trade options on that. And we'll get into that too in a minute. So since SPX is an index, the options trade a little bit differently. There is no early assignment with SPX options because there are no shares to actually assign you. So this can be an advantage if you get in the money and you're worried about being assigned, you don't have, at least don't have that um, assignment. So if you're doing, let's say you're doing a debit spread where you'd actually want um, your spread to go in the money, you'll be able to stay in that longer, for example, because you don't have to worry about that short strike being assigned. So there's some benefits there. It's a Europe, they are European style options. They are cash settled. So whenever the trade is over, um, if, if you let it expire, you know, in the money or worthless or whatever, everything is settled to cash. It is not going to be assigned. You know, if you have a credit spread, for example, and the short strike expires in the money and the long strike expires out of the money, you would not get assigned. You would simply lose or make whatever the money is for that particular trade. So everything is cash settled. And there's also some tax advantages uh, to trading SPX. I forget the name. I think it's 1256 tax code. Don't quote me on that. I am not an accountant, by the way. So the tax advantage is that when you do make money trading the options, if you're profitable, you're not fully taxed at short-term gains. Part of the taxable profits are long-term gains, which can be a lower tax bracket. So again, I would recommend going to a real accountant to help you with that. Uh, but there are some tax advantages, which is another reason why SPX is so uh, interesting to trade. Now, another reason we like to watch the S&P 500 is really because the SPX, and the, you know, you can watch SPY for this too, it tracks the largest companies. 
So it's really good to be watching the overall market, even if you're trading individual stocks. So if the overall market is in an uptrend, yes, you can trade individual stocks to the upside, but going against the overall market can often be dangerous because a lot of times the weight of the market is going to affect everything. So you really want to kind of keep an eye on the S&P 500. I think most people know this already. So if you're already keeping an eye on the S&P 500, it makes sense that maybe you just want to trade it because you already have to pay attention to it. Now, the last reason, probably one of the most important reasons we're talking about this, at least when it comes to zero DTE options, which we'll get into that in a minute, is that as of, I think it was mid uh, to late 2022, the CBOE added additional expiration. So now there's an options expiration every day of the week, five days a week. For the longest time, I think through 2016, they had Friday expiration and they added Monday, Wednesday. So for the last, uh, let's call it five, six years or so, there was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but then they added Tuesday and then they added Thursday. So as of 2023, and again, I think it was late 2022, there are now five expirations per week. And what this means is that you can really start to get granular on your strike selection and your expiration for a variety of strategies. When you think about a weekly options strategy, everyone used to think, oh, that's a seven day strategy because options uh, are, you know, expire on Friday or whatever. And that's still the case for stocks and things in most cases. But now with zero um, expirations every day, every day can be a zero DTE day. And we'll talk why. Um, that might be important for you, but you can also do one day to expiration, or let's say you had a seven day to expiration strategy. Well, you now might be able to trade it five days a week as opposed to once a week. Not that that works or anything. It's not a recommendation, but the idea here is that there's so many expirations that you can take advantage of. And it really allows you to, I think, be more patient with whatever strategy it is you're trading. Because when you think, and we've talked about this in other episodes, the frequency of your strategy is going to ultimately matter in the long run. Because if you have a really good strategy, but it only triggers once a month, then maybe you get one, you know, 12 good trades a year. But with five expirations per week, it's possible your strategy might trigger uh, instead of once a month, maybe it triggers once a week and now you get 52 trades a, a year, something like that. So you're able to increase the number of trades, but still maybe adhere to your strategy as opposed to having to wait longer. You know what I mean? You're not rushed and, and you can be a little bit more consistent with your expiration and strike selection. Because if you think about, let's say you were just going to trade the monthly options. Well, if you want to trade a strategy that you're like, okay, you know, sell a, a a call spread that expires in 14 days or something like that, and you're using monthly options, you can only make one of those trades a month. But with five days a week, technically you could do that every day. You can always have a 14 day strategy for the most part, you know? So again, not a recommendation, but again, it's just giving you the options to be more granular and selective and allowing you really to focus on your strategy and then once you're ready to place a trade based on whatever your analysis is, you have the strike selection and, and the duration or the expirations to choose from. So next, let's talk about zero DTE. Why would we trade zero DTE and what is zero DTE? So zero DTE refers to the choice and expiration for the options trade. DTE is days to expiration. Zero DTE means there are no days left. And it's basically the last day to the expiration. They expire today. Some people also call, call it the same day expiration. So you would enter the trade the same day that the options expire, usually in the morning. Now, depending on what type of trader 
trader you are, there's some pros and cons here. For me, the biggest pro is that for zero DTE options is that time is on your side if you're an options seller. So if you're selling options, it's the last day to expiration. So what this means is there's a large amount of contracts on the option chain for that day that are basically going to go to zero, right? You don't know exactly which ones because it depends on where SPX lands or closes at the end of the day or where it settles. But basically, a lot of these contracts are going to be going to zero. And so I like to look at it from the side of an option seller because I want to sell something for that has value and then have it go to zero or at least reduce in value so I can buy it back for cheaper. So that's sort of the goal of a lot of this. Now, the con here is that because we're so close to expiration, the gamma is a lot higher than if you were doing a 30 or 60 day spread. So this can actually be a really big deal. And if the market makes a big move in your favor, great. But if if it gets a big move, if you get a big move against you, the gamma is so high that the price of these zero day options can really swing. And if it goes against you, you can experience losses very quickly, especially as a, a an option seller. So if you're an option buyer, a gamma swing in your favor can actually be really good. You've seen stories and stuff where options go from, you know, they can 300, 400% gains only if your timing and the direction is really, really right. It's really hard to trade that consistently. So I'm definitely not recommending that. But the idea here is that gamma is a bigger factor on these really close to expiration trades. So you have to factor that risk into your trades. Now, I personally, again, like to be a net option seller in my zero DTE trades. And up until now, I've mainly focused on credit spreads. And I've talked about this in in some different videos, but real quick on this, credit spreads are interesting because they can mitigate a lot of the Greeks in the options. And what do I mean by that? So for example, if you sell one option, you have a, a certain theta, gamma, delta, all those things. And then if you buy another option, it's going to offset those Greeks because you've you've sold one option and you bought another option. What this can do is, you can focus on time decay as opposed to having to worry about gamma as much. And, you know, there's a lot more detail. I'm not going to get into it. It's it's too advanced to just talk about. You really need to see some of the stuff. There's some great sites out there that, that teach this. And, and you can, I'm sure you can hop on YouTube and learn some stuff. But the general idea is that credit spreads can mitigate some of the Greeks because you're offsetting that with an additional uh, opposite side trade. So you're selling one call and you're buying another call, for example, and the Greeks will be minimized. But time is still on your side if you're taking that net credit. So that's kind of where I've been coming from the last several years is really just focused on credit spreads. Now, the other cool thing about credit spreads is that they are defined risk. So if a trade does blow up in your face, so let's say I'm doing this, um, I'm recording this on July 25th. And tomorrow, the Fed is going to announce another rate hike. That's the, you know, that's the thing. It's FOMC rate hike, you know, week where Wednesday is the rate hike. And I think there's an inflation report on Friday. So you have to factor these events in too. So if I were to just not be aware of the market and I sell a zero DTE credit spread, well, if the market goes down or opposite of my trade, whatever side I picked, because the Fed announced something that the market didn't like, or maybe the market really liked it and I was on the wrong side of the trade, it's going to blow through my trade, right? So the cool thing about credit spreads is that the the, uh, the risk is defined. 
so that I know before I put the trade on what my max loss is. What is the most I can lose on this trade? What is the most I can gain on this trade? So what this allows you to, to do is position size properly. So if you only want to risk, let's say $500 a trade, well, that might mean one credit spread. And if things go horribly wrong, then the most you could lose is that amount that you planned for. So that's kind of a big deal when it comes to trading these short-term options. I mean, it's a big deal with other trades as well, but zero DTE, there's zero time to adjust. It's very hard to roll. I've seen people do it, but you know, you don't want to be in that situation. So it's better to just think about the risk before you get into the trade and credit spreads allow you to do that. So now we get into the other part of the title, which is iron condors. So an iron condor is basically two credit spread trades in one single trade. You have a call credit spread that makes money if the price stays below the strikes. So you're kind of putting a cap on the on the uh, price and you have a put credit spread that makes money if price stays above the strikes of the of the trade. So you're basically bracketing the market saying, hey, I think the market's going to stay between these strikes, whatever strikes you choose over the for the rest of the day over the next couple of hours uh, typically what most traders do and I'm I'm in this camp as well is they don't want to stay in the trade to expiration because anything can happen once they get a certain portion of that credit cuz an iron condor you're going to receive a credit then they look to close that trade a lot of times this can be 50% as sort of a general um, sort of profit taking method. So the general idea is, Hey, over the next several hours, you know, if I, I think the market's going to stay in this range and you can go really wide, which takes on more risk, less credit, but it's more, it's uh, more highly probable. Um, so there's a lot of adjustments and selection there and that depends on your own risk tolerance and stuff. But, but basically an iron condor is made up of two credit spreads. It's also defined risk because you have two credit spreads and we'll get to kind of an example here in a minute. But again, the main goal of the iron condor is to collect theta or the time decay. And it, the best thing that can happen is that the market actually trades relatively sideways for a certain period of time so that you can book part of that profit. Now, in the case of iron uh, zero DTE iron condors, you would want the price of SPX to be relatively range bound uh, for the most of the, I mean, most of the day is better, right? It doesn't always happen, but again, you're trying to collect that theta on the last day of expiration. Now where this trade goes wrong is if you get a really strong move in either direction. So think about the market and you bracketed the market, you have a top and a bottom. It's probably pretty narrow because it's one day. And if the market just rallies, like, like I said, the fed announced something, let's say the market rallies after the fed, then it's going to rally up through your, short strike and your your um your your basically your call spread the loss can be greater on that call spread than the put spread that's on the bottom so there's a lot of risk if the market moves outside of that bracket or tent that you've created now there's several ways to kind of handle this and the way i've seen most traders do this is they basically use some sort of stop loss to mitigate that large win. Because the, the catch is, again, if one of the spreads gets threatened, the loss on that one spread is much greater than the gain on the other spread. So you're still at a net loss if it goes you know, outside of the spread. Now, iron condors tend to be higher probability. So you can easily have a win rate of, let's say, 90% or so selling a, a decently wide iron condor. But that one time the market blows you out or blows through one of the sides, that one loss, if you're not mitigating that risk, that one loss can eat up 
10 trades, 10 profits, right? So experienced traders know exactly what I'm talking about here. You have to be really careful. You got to have a plan. Uh, and again, managing the risk is very important because you're basically getting small wins, lots of small wins, and you, you're kind of just waiting for that one loser to come and you want to have a plan for that. And stop losses are the general way that I've seen a lot of traders sort of mitigate that risk. So that is the quick and dirty version of an SPX zero DT, DTE iron condor. And what I want to add to this conversation about how to trade these and, and things you can look for is by using some analysis, you know, is there a way to know in advance which days of the week might be better for an SPX zero DTE iron condor and which days may be better to avoid them. Cause remember we want days that are not, we, we think aren't going to have big moves. Like again, tomorrow is the fed announcement. You know what? I don't know that the market's going to stay range bound. I mean, it could, anything can happen, right? And the market could be a dud, but you know, I'm not really willing to bet that the market's going to stay range bound after the a Fed announcement. So there are some obvious ones that you may want to just skip or be careful with. But on most other regular days, you know, is there a way to see which days have been more range bound and which days I'm talking about specific days of the week, which days may have been more bigger movers in the past or the recent past. Now, some people will look at the expected move in the market. A lot of platforms offer this and the expected move is sort of a probabilistic uh, range that the market's probably going to stay in. But if, again, if you're an experienced trader, you know that, yeah, a lot of the times it will stay there, but there's always those days that defy the expected move and the market just, let's say, rallies right through it or it sells off right past through it. And then what happens is that expected move range just moves around. It's not a fixed move. It's a moving target. So, you know, even though you're looking at the expected move, that goalpost of a, a strike is not going to stay there all day, right? So, you know, you still have to be careful and you still need to mitigate that risk with a stop or however you're managing that. But what you don't want to do is just rely on the expected move, thinking that the options market's going to be right because factors in the market outside of the options market um, can move the market around. So you have to be prepared for that. Now, I've done some preliminary research on this. And what I found is that there can actually be repeated intraday seasonality patterns that show which days of the week have recently been strong up or downtrend days, like strong trending days, and which days have been more choppy, kind of indecisive days. And in case you didn't know, I founded a website called Alpha Crunching. It's at alphacrunching.com. You've probably heard me talk about it before or on the YouTube channel. And Alpha Crunching focuses on intraday seasonality for the S&P 500 for both SPX and the ES futures market. Um, I've added that uh, recently. And up until this week, I'd always really focused on the days of the week that had strong trends. And the reason why is because I was, you know, mostly a credit spread trader. And basically I would need to pick a side and say, okay, do I think the market's going to be flat to up here? Okay. I'll sell a credit spread. Or do I think the market's going to be flat to down? Okay. I'll sell a call credit spread. So up until this week, I'd been looking for strong trending days. But not every day is a strong trending day. So what I found myself doing is avoiding trading credit spreads on certain days because I didn't want to pick a side because it wasn't clear, um, you know, what the market might do. So on the days that look to be choppy and indecisive um, using the alpha crunching indicator, 
I started doing some research on iron condors. Like, okay, well, maybe these are good range days. And I've, I've got a video out and I'll put a link in the, in the description if you want to check that out. So here's what I did. And it's very preliminary research. And we're looking at data for July of 2023 as of, you know, I guess it was late last week, basically the first three weeks of July, uh, 2023. And when I'm looking at the forecast, the forecast indicator from alpha crunching, what I noticed was a lot of the strong days tended to be Tuesday and Thursday over the past several weeks. And I actually did an episode on this, the Thursday put credit spread. Um, I did an episode a few episodes back that talked about how Thursday was, has just been, um, a really strong day for the most part. And Tuesday's actually been pretty strong as well. I'm sitting here um, looking at Tuesday and the markets, it's fading now, but it was pretty strong for most of the morning. And a lot of our traders were able to sell put credit spreads and, and profit today. But that's only two days a week. Tuesdays and Thursdays are only two days a week. And they tended to be bullish over the past, um, let's call it a couple months. So the other three days have tend to be choppy and sort of indecisive. When you look at these days with the lens of intraday seasonality, what we're seeing is that the market is, it, there's no decisive pattern. It's just choppy and all over the place. And what we call is a low magnitude day, meaning there's not a real strong trend that's been persistent over the last several weeks. And this has been Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as of, you know, I'm doing this episode again um, on July 25th. Now the patterns change over time. So you can't just fixate on this pattern. Um, the, the strategy we're going to talk about is may not be valid going forward because the seasonality pattern will change each week. It, it adjusts a little bit. So in a month, none of this could work. So that's why that's, what's cool about the tool is it, it's dynamic and takes in new data and recalculates every week. But over the last month, I decided to go in and test selling iron condors on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Those are the days that I was not for the most part, not trading credit spreads. And here's how I set it up. I did a Delta 20 five wide condor, iron condor on SPX. What does that mean? I set it up where the short strike of both the call spread and the put spread, the short strike is at Delta 20. Delta is a bunch of things, but one of the things it kind of is, is a probability that the option's going to expire in the money. So when you have a, a low Delta, like Delta 20, some people like to go smaller, Delta five, Delta 10, that's okay. This is not a recommendation. This is just uh, for the, the back test I did to kind of get an idea if these, if the alpha crunching low magnitude days would be good iron condor candidates. So this is definitely not a recommendation. I would probably maybe go a little bit farther out or widen it, but you know we'll see. Let's just kind of start with this. Again, Delta 20 for the short strike and just a simple five wide spread. So you, you would sell a put and then buy five points lower. You would sell a call and buy five points higher. And you're gonna receive a credit. And we're gonna put this trade on only on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the first three weeks of July, because those are the days that showed sort of decisive, indecisive choppiness. And we're gonna open this trade at 10 a.m. Eastern time. That's about 30 minutes after the open. Monday, Wednesday, Friday over the last several weeks. And we're, we're just gonna do one contract at a time for the sake of the, the test. And if we're able to book 50% of that credit, then we will close the trade. So we're taking profits at 50% of the spread. We're not letting it go to expiration. So this would count as a day trade. If the if you hit your profit profit target, you would be opening the trade in the morning. And then let's say it hits the profit target at you know two or three hours later, then that would count as a day trade. So 
Um, just wanted to throw that out there. If you let it expire worthless, yeah, it would not be a day, day trade, but you run the risk of having to hold it all day, which I don't actually recommend. But again, this is all in theory, and we are just kind of going through an example. So over the last several weeks, it's been a 100% win rate, including Monday of this week. Again, recording July 25th, I took this trade. I, I took the first one of these trades yesterday, and it, it hit profit in about three hours. So we traded one iron condor at a time. It yielded about $800 in profit. I did not add commissions, so it's probably closer to $750, $800, give or take. And the average winner was about $86. So 50% of that credit was about $86. And the average credit was somewhere in the range of $1.50 to $1.80, depending on the where the strikes uh, were selected. So over the past month, let's call it three weeks, almost a full month, it has been a really good way to know which days might be better candidates. Now, if you traded it on Tuesday and Thursday, you can still be profitable. I'm not saying that you shouldn't trade it on Tuesday or Thursday, but what I'm saying is that on these days right now, the intraday seasonality pattern, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, have been uh, closer to flat kind of sideways days or, or they move up and then they move back kind of thing. And you're va you're able to stay in that trade for a few hours and collect that credit. And so the idea for me here, and this is just more of a personal thing, is, is having a view of the market about what you think the market has the potential to do. What Alpha Crunching is providing is uh, the forecast, a time series analysis to say, here's what Tuesday has typically been, or here's what Wednesday has typically been. Obviously, anything can happen. Like I said, there's a Fed announcement tomorrow. Tomorrow, the forecast looks to be choppy, but we know that if it's a Fed day, it doesn't matter what indicator you're looking at. Anything can happen on a Fed announcement or an inflation report like on Friday. So you still need to, again, use some common sense and use market awareness to avoid some of these big events, maybe if you're trading zero DTE. But the general idea here is that now I feel a little bit more confident that I'm going to get more zero DTE trades in per week. So again, yesterday I traded this exact same iron condor and I was able to get a 50% uh, gain on that. I think it was around $70 per spread. And on Tuesday, today, the, it was a trending day, and I was able to do just simply a put credit spread. So now I'm going into the market like, okay, is it supposed to be a trend day or is it supposed to be a range day? And now that I have this, I have two trades basically that I can have in my arsenal saying, I can say, okay, it looks like tomorrow hasn't been a strong trend day. So I'm going to consider an iron condor and these are trend days. I'm going to consider credit spreads. I still like to use some chart confirmation for those, but that's a whole nother scenario. But the whole idea is all of these are high probability trades um, when you're talking about option selling. And what we want to do ultimately is increase our frequency of the high probability trades and make sure we keep our risk in check. But the more trades we get under our belt, the better off we're going to be because the law of large numbers will play out and we'll be able to realize those gains faster. So that's kind of the goal. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Check out alphacrunching.com or go to the YouTube channel. I got a bunch of videos on there about it. I'm going to put a link in the description about this actual backtest that I talked about today so you can see it and kind of understand. And um, I hope it helps. You guys have a great day and we'll see you in the next episode.